Well, it's lovely to be back. I've been away for a number of weeks now. Um, having to run uh, some sports camps for young people, as is my job. And we've been in the Gospel of John, and it has been a really fabulous time. Uh, opening John's, word, John's uh, Gospel and looking at God's Word and seeing what John has to say to his writers. They say that if you want to get to grips with uh, any good book, um, start. Uh, and then um, dive right to the end, and you'll get a good idea of what goes on in between. Horrible English lesson, that is, um, for English literature. But I remember my English teacher telling me pretty much that's a, that's a trick if I didn't want to go through reading the whole of Macbeth, etc. Uh, and so if you go to the end of John's Gospel, you'll get, a, you'll get a sense of the purpose, the reason why John wrote what he did. Uh, it's not a cobbled book full of stories and random things that that John just wants to record. John 20 verses 30 and 31 help us to see that with real detail, John assembles all his material for this purpose, for this reason. John 20, 30, 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are recorded, these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why John writes what he does. So that as we read, as we listen, as we hear to his word, uh, it wouldn't just pass over us, wash over us, have minimal effect. But it would have deep, deep working effect that we would believe every word is true. Really believe it, trust it, hold to it. And that as we do that, here's the result of believing we have life, real life, true life, in the name of Jesus. Not just life here, but life everlasting. That's why John writes what he does. So when we dive into John 3, with that in mind, we're thinking, right, John wants us to read, to hear, to listen, to believe, and therefore have life. So let's see what John has in store for us. Let me ask you a question. Don't you hate being exposed? It's a horrible thing, isn't it? Perhaps at work, being late for a meeting or a deadline on a project, having to walk in or having to face the facts. Don't you hate being exposed? You haven't delivered on what you said you would. You haven't delivered on what people thought you would deliver on. Perhaps at home, not finish the housework that we said we would do. Guilty. Not being able to arrange the, the flat pack and, and asking someone else to help because you realise you just haven't got the right skill set to deliver on it. Exposed. Perhaps in friendships, we've not been clear We've told a small lie to cover our backs or, or a conversation. We've gossiped about a friend to another friend and the friend finds out and wants to speak to us. Exposed, found out, guilty. Isn't it just awful knowing you've done something wrong or said something wrong and others have found out about it and you've got nowhere else to hide? I'm sure you know that feeling. Perhaps even now, you're hoping very much that no one finds out about something you've done. Maybe maybe years and years and years ago, or maybe very recently, maybe something very, very small. Or maybe something 
a bit bigger. And it's horrible. The, The horrifying thought of being exposed in a moment when someone finds out something. Meet Nicodemus. Here he is, chapter 3, verse 1. Keep your Bibles open. There's no PowerPoint for you this evening, uh, this afternoon. So have a little look with me uh, at God's word in John 3. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Here he is. He's a Pharisee. He's devoted his whole life to religion. All of his brain power to understanding the kingdom of God. Understanding who God is and what his kingdom looks like and when it will come and how it will come and who's in and who's out. Later on, Jesus calls him teacher of Israel. At 6,000 men at that time who had given over 100% to trying to teach others within the synagogues, trying to help them understand God and the kingdom. If you watch the movie... Uh, the movies, the series, The Chosen, depicts it pretty well. Nicodemus, picture him if you've seen it. If you haven't, there he is. He's a, a Pharisee, a teacher uh, of the law. A very educated man, a well-versed man, a man who's rehearsed so much of Scripture. Verse 2, he says, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. It's really interesting here that John records when Nicodemus comes to visit Jesus. Throughout John's gospel, uh, you'll read that uh, he says on the next day, on the third day, just uh, on the page. You see in, in chapter 1, verse 35, if you've got your red Bibles open, the next day John was there. Or chapter 2, the beginning of verse 1, on the third day. It's always day, day, day with John. And then, interestingly, John says, records Nicodemus. He came to Jesus at night. Why is he recorded this detail? And perhaps the thinking is that Nicodemus hates the thought of being found out. He hates the thought of being exposed in front of the fellow Jewish ruling council. He comes in the darkness. He doesn't want to be seen with Jesus. We know that you're a teacher who has come from God, he said. So he's vying with Jesus he's he's trying to understand you're you're some guy I'm intrigued I want to know a little bit more but I don't want others knowing that I've come to you the fear of being exposed here's two points for us to look at today here's our first one born again and secondly we'll look at believe again born again and then believe again verse three Off the back of Nicodemus saying, oh, you're some guy. You must have been sent from God. Here's Jesus' reply in verse 3. Very truly I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Here's Jesus and he's saying, 
Look, Nicodemus, you who have studied the kingdom of God, you who have taught it to others, do you want to see the kingdom of God? You have to become a new person. You have to be born again. And it's almost like Jesus is having a conversation over breakfast with a child. This is something that my children would do. Born again? Daddy, don't be ridiculous. How on earth can I enter into mummy's tummy again? To be born again? Doesn't make sense. And so here's the conversation. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. But yet Jesus is saying you must become a new person. Hard for us to get our heads around this language of being born again. Perhaps with fear you might be listening thinking oh a born again Christian. Decades ago that was phrased with such negative connotations. Born again it's wacky it's weird it's out there. Born again sounds very zealous. Really? Well, come with me on a, a little illustration. I enjoyed watching uh, during lockdown the documentary uh, Basketball, The Last Dance. Some of you have seen it of Michael Jordan. Now imagine if I really fancied becoming an NBA star, fancied being the next Michael Jordan. And just imagine that I, I wrote to the Chicago Bulls and, and, and I asked them for a trial. Look, 99.999% of the time, they would ignore my request, right? Who is this English lad? Who wants a trial? But just imagine if they did get in touch and they said, oh, okay, let, let's just get a few details from you. Uh, what's your age, sir? 43. What's your height, sir? Five foot nine, uh, look, five foot eight and a half, actually. Five, eight and a half. Um, can you imagine how the phone call is going to end? Sir, the only way that you can become a basketball star and sign for us, for Chicago, is that if you're born again. Can you imagine that ending? You've just got to be born again. There's just no hope. So you see what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Do you want to see the kingdom of God? The kingdom that you've been teaching. And you've been teaching people how to get into it. Do you understand how you get into the kingdom of God? A miracle needs to happen. You must become someone new. Someone that you are not. And so the conversation goes on. Verse 9 How can this be, as Jesus has tried to help Nicodemus understand that it's something of God and not of man? It's a miracle that happens. New birth has got to come about. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. Imagine again the conversation over the breakfast table. It sounds like this is new news to Nicodemus. I just don't get it. I don't get what you're talking about, Jesus. Look at verse 10. You are Israel's teacher. So Jesus turns the screw on him and says, no, you should get it. You're not a four-year-old child over shreddies talking about new birth of an adult entering the, the, the tummy of a mummy again. 
No, no, no. You're the teacher of Israel. You're Israel's teacher. Look in the Old Testament and Nicodemus will have known this. This is what we hear in Ezekiel 36. Verse 25 to 27. Here's Ezekiel as he records from God saying, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is nothing new to Nicodemus. It should not be. And and it should be for Nicodemus. It should be an understanding that, look, Nicodemus, there is nothing that you can do. As the wind blows where it will, you cannot control it. And you cannot stop it. And that is like the kingdom of heaven. You cannot get into heaven by rules and regulations. You cannot get in by following the law. You cannot get in by tryhards and new starts and turning over new leaves. It doesn't happen like that, Nicodemus. Jesus did not come to help us turn over new leaves, to help us try and become better people that we are now. Transformation needs to happen. See, new birth means that our eyes are opened to see who God really is. And new birth means that our eyes are opened to see our helpless state before him. It's like a a newborn baby uh, who's our most recent, I think it's uh, baby Flora uh, from um, Vinny and Liv, uh, well not from, and and theirs as well. Um, Vinny and Livy are uh, there, I think, celebrating uh, Vinny's parents' anniversary today. But it's like when baby Flora was born, she is able to see for the first time what her parents, Vinny and Liv, sound like and look like in flesh. This is new birth for us. We're able to see what our Father God looks like, sounds like, and therefore who we are before him. Why does transformation need to happen? Well, we carry on because we are not like Jesus And Jesus tells Nicodemus to recall another time of the Old Testament. Remember, he's an expert. So he's got it. He should have got it. And so read with me uh, from verse 13 of chapter 3. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Nicodemus, do you remember The Israelites were moaning and groaning in the desert. They were making out that they didn't need God. And in order to remind them just how much they needed God. He sent poisonous snakes into camp. Do you remember that Nicodemus? Do you remember that once they were bitten, they were sure to die? And then God told Moses to make a bronze snake and put it on a pole And then to look at the snake meant acknowledging just how much you need God. You were dying. Your only hope was God. And therefore, 
Jesus continues, like the snake in the desert. So I'm going to be the one lifted up on a cross. See, Nicodemus, your only hope in life is to look to me. Your only hope from death is to look to the cross. Your only way to enter the kingdom is to recognise the state of your heart, Nicodemus, that it's far from God and there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. Look to the death of Jesus as your only hope. Look, if you're hearing this for the first time, brilliant. We hope there's something in these words that speak of hope in Jesus, only hope in life. But we know for the majority of us here, uh, town church we know john three sixteen is coming in a moment uh, we perhaps know it off by heart but you see here's the thing uh, our pride often means that we would still prefer it if jesus said look to get into the kingdom believe in me uh, and then work really hard to be a better person Here are the rules and the rituals to perform. So go on. I'll give you a head start, but then it's up to you. See, this, I think, seems much more alluring, affirming to us. So we can see growth and and as Christians, we, we then can pat ourselves on the back and see. Do you know I'm far better than him? I've got it worked out far better than her. And we're always in danger of the following, always in danger, that we do well and fall into self-congratulation. Or or we fail and we try and make it up to God. We try and strike bargains with him. Lord, if you'll just help me in this moment, then I'll do this for you. I'll open my Bible more, I'll say my prayers more, I'll... Come to town church, pizza and prayer night, or I'll come along to church even more. And we watch others and we compare and contrast ourselves. And it ends up being, yes, I believe in Jesus, but actually it's really about the lifestyle that I live that progresses me on. I've got to be very careful when we think like that. Born again. Born again. Nicodemus, as the wind blows and you can't control it, you can't stop it. So the Spirit does its work and you've got to be born again. Can I ask you if you're born again? Born of the Spirit? You recognise who God is and you recognise your desperate need of Him because there's nothing else in life that's satisfied. There's nothing else in life that, that... Delivers, and there's nothing else in life that has an answer for death. You must recognize who God is, and you must, you must recognize who you are one who's rejected Him and His rule. Well, here we go. Believe again. If we're to be born again, then believe again. There is a sense that in which we, we completely forget, I think, the essence of John 3.16. Let's read it. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, the world here is not about the planet. It's not about our globe in which we live, but it's about the hearts of humanity. God so loved the wicked heart. God so loved the heart that has rejected him. God has so loved the heart that has ignored him. God has so loved the heart that hates the exposure that he brings. And you see, therefore, in his love, the father asked the son to go and die for those hearts. And in his love, the son says, yes, I will go. And he says, yes, knowing that it would cost him everything. This is the essence of John 3.16. I know it and I can ring it off by heart. And it was John 3.16 alongside um, a, a, a verse in, in a song, an old song, that grabbed me 22 years ago. Great is the gospel of our glorious God, where mercy met the anger of God's rod. A penalty was paid and a pardon was bought and sinners at last to him were brought. And then the chorus said, Oh, let the praises of my heart be thine. For Christ has died that I may call him mine. The wicked heart. The ignorant heart. That I may call him mine. That I may sing with those who dwell above. Adoring Jesus, King of love. How are you living, dear Christian, in light of the glorious gospel? How are you walking with Jesus? Are you walking, acknowledging who he is, what he's done for you? How desperate your place must have been for the son of God, the son of the almighty God to stoop so low, to save you, even you. And if this is our walk, there's two sides that we can fall on quite easily. And this will be dependent upon your disposition, dependent upon your your, your character, really. One side, we can be flippant about our sin. We can be blasé about our current state. Now, perhaps we'll use grace as our excuse for doing the things that our old nature drove us to. Perhaps that's your default. If this was to walk the, the path alongside Jesus and there was a, a way that you could fall into sin and not, Loving and enjoying and appreciating John 3.16. Perhaps that side is where you would fall. Flippant about sin. Or, Or what about the other side? Where you might feel condemnation after condemnation after condemnation. And you don't feel worthy. And you feel unlovable. Whichever side is your default. And of course we cross over sides. But whichever side is your default. Do you see the words of John 3.16? But by the way, John 17 is so connected with it. We forget John 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through him. If my default is over here, I need John 3.16. For God so loved the world, the world being the wicked heart. A reminder that 
No, 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 my heart is sinful. Don't be blasé about sin now. Don't trample upon the grace that has saved me. I need John 3.16 to remind me. If I fall on this side of the path, I need John 17 to remind me that there is no condemnation. Jesus did not come into the world to point the finger, to wag the finger and say, See, knew you couldn't live without me. See, no, no, he came in the world, into the world full of love to save me and my default over here or me and my default over there. And look, let's read verses 18 onwards. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, Nicodemus, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Light has come into the world. Nicodemus, people love darkness. Nicodemus, you love darkness. Nicodemus, you've come to me in the darkness for fear of being exposed in front of your friends. But here I'm exposing you, dear Nicodemus. You love darkness. Why? Why do you love darkness? Because you know that your deeds are not right. Because you know that your heart is not right with God. Because you know that all the good that you try and do, it's not adding up to get you over the line. It can't. It it can't. And I'm here to expose you. But look, if you live by the truth, if you recognise your need of me, if you recognise your sinful state, then you come into the light. See what the gospel does for us. It shows us our need of salvation. And the same gospel continues to show us Our sinful nature is still apparent, still there. And I need him daily. See, being a Christian, it's exposing work. Do you see that from these words? It's exposing. But it's not exhausting. It should not be exhausting. Not when I know the one who has hold of me, who has got me. But it's daily holding hands up in the air and saying, you've got me, Lord. I'm exposed. You see what I said to my wife just before? Lord, I'm, ah. Do you want to address the children like that? Ah. It's exposing because I know it's not right. But it's not exhausting when I come and acknowledge who he is. Who I am. I'm his child. And he's come. Into this world, into my world, into my heart. And he said, Come into the light. You're mine. Come on, it's exposing work, but I'll make you new. Be born again and continue to believe. Nicodemus came in the darkness. We don't know how long he wrestled with the truth. Did he ever come into the light? 
John 19 verses 38 says this, Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. But secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. And he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Oh wow, Nicodemus. I think he got it. We don't know for sure. But he was there right at the death of the Lord Jesus. What hope that is, I think, for our loved ones who are indifferent to Jesus now. Who don't trust him. Who are dead in sin. Nicodemus alive in Christ. Blind but now see. In darkness now living in the light. Great hope for those of us who were trying to help see who Jesus is. I think the story of Nicodemus is meant, meant to give us great hope. But it's meant also for us to keep trusting in Jesus. To be born again and to keep believing in him. So, dear family at Town Church, would you, for this next week, stay there? You're born again if you trust and believe. Stay there and keep believing. Keep marvelling at your salvation.